This is Edge Cases. I'm Andrew Pontius. And I'm Will French. And the topic for this week is indexing with Clang. Oh, is that due to my Gashes article? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Spoilers. Okay. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> so I, I believe this is one time when we haven't actually talked about um, follow-up beforehand. But do you, do you have, I don't have any follow-up. Do you have any I don't follow-up? have any follow-up, no. Okay. So we can dive right in. All right, good, because I, as, as I was saying, I've got more than a page worth of notes. You usually say, oh, I've got a whole page worth of notes. Well, I've got more than that, although I, I believe I probably write things out more than you do. Um, and this is indirectly started from your episode, actually. Oh. You talked about uh, a few of your favorite things, mm-hmm. which was, I don't remember the number, like the last episode, whatever. I normally give the number, but I don't remember here. It was 77, 76, something like that. It's probably definitely in the 70s series. Anyway, the, the most recent ones from you. And I was thinking, well, what are some of my favorite things? Oh, good. good. Um, because, you know, I normally just complain. Um, <laughs> and in fact, it was kind of uh, uh, serendipitous, something like that, uh-huh. that I had just published a post uh, on my uh, blog called uh, uh, subjectiveobserver.wordpress.com uh, called My Lists from 2010. Uh-huh which had the things that I was proud of and the things I was not proud of um, at Apple. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I, I had 10 of each. And I had actually come up with this in 2010, right after I left Apple. But I didn't uh, post it then. I'm not quite sure why. Well, I didn't finish it. I never finished um, sort of describing why I liked or why I didn't like each of those things. And I also think it was probably a bit of this idea that I was still not quite ready to just voice my opinion, you know, uh-huh. I mm-hmm. was so used to being at Apple where you're never really supposed to. You still had that chain. That I, still like had, I had not broken free of the chain yet. So from on the, on the list of proud things, um, the very last one, now this is a Letterman-style list, so it went you know 10 down to 1, was Quang mm-hmm. as my number one thing that I was proud of that, that Apple had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, well, let's talk about Quang, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Quang's a big topic. It is. So um, I had actually thought of before attempting to experiment using Clang to build my own Xcode project index. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, you can't do this from within Xcode. You can't use the, the indexing information from within Xcode because Xcode doesn't allow plugins. As I mentioned, as I talked about at length, in uh, the case against Xcode plugins, episode mm-hmm. 32, and I said that Apple was probably never going to introduce a, a plugin model. Um, but if you could get your own representation of the symbols of the code of an Xcode project, you could basically write all those helper apps that you would want to do with the, the official information that Apple would give you if they were actual plugins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could you know, route around Apple, as, as many people do. So I wanted to do that as a topic, but there were two problems with that. And one was that I, I realized building Clang itself was just a lot of steps and mm-hmm time-consuming and tedious, so I didn't really want to do that as the, the steps to start a topic, because, of course, we, you know, we do it every... I do it, you know, each one of us does it every two weeks. We don't try to necessarily spend a huge amount of time on each one. Mm-hmm. And this would have been... I realized this would have not even just been, oh, you know, a couple of hours, you know, a couple nights a week to do it. This would have been a lot of extra time to get all mm-hmm. that working. But even if you do that, um, it still wasn't exactly clear, looking at the Clang APIs, uh, where the best place was to get that indexing information. I knew I could compile um, your source, but I didn't know what to do after that. Mm-hmm. Um, the AST classes in 
in Clang, the C++ classes, can be pretty hard to figure out for the yeah. uninitiated. So that's actually, it, it's not necessarily that building it would have taken a week, but building it and figuring that out would have taken more time than mm-hmm. I wanted to spend. So I abandoned it, this idea. Now, then along came the, uh, the post that I can't reveal dramatically because you already mentioned it, but there you go. Um, the Friday Q&A from the January 24th mm-hmm. from Mike Ash called Introduction to LibClang, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and this answered both of my concerns for a certain value of answer. Uh, one was that um, if I was kind of willing to hack it a little bit, I would not need to build Clang mm. to do what I need to do because there is actually a version of LibClang buried inside of Xcode, buried inside of the Xcode package mm. um, and built, built as a dialog. Now, it's not documented, of course. It's, it's purely for internal Xcode use, but it is the whole library pre-built. Mm-hmm. So that answers the first problem. I can, cool. I can just use that. Uh, now, the second problem uh, was solved by the fact that there is a public indexing API from Clang, uh, and it's in clang-c slash index.h, uppercase i, and it actually provides uh, pretty much what I need. Now, the, in the, in the uh, comments for the header, it says, this header provides a public uh, now, actually, you know it's it's comments for other developers because they spelled interface wrong. So it <laughs> provides a public interface to a Clang library for extracting high-level simple information from source files without exposing the full Clang C++ API. So three things here. Uh, one, uh, the simplified API was my concern, so they, they addressed that. But there are two other mm-hmm. concerns which are more of Apple's concerns rather than just mine. Um, second is that there's no public AST class interface. And third is that it's not C++ at all, it's just C. So for the second one, the thing you have to understand, and I know this from, from what I've heard and what I've, I've talked with, with the client team, is that they're very interested in, in revving the engines full bore. They don't want to be held back by anything that doesn't need to hold them back because mm-hmm. they've got a lot of work to do. I mean, they, they had to you know, do all the uh, implementation of, of what GCC did uh, in, in, you know, as quickly as they could. So they don't want to have to create a C++ class for their ASTs mm-hmm. that they need to keep publicly revving. They need to keep giving a new interface and then another new interface and then another new interface. No, they want to be able to keep, you know, adding things to it, removing things to it, rewriting it without mm-hmm. having to worry about um, backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means never exposing that at all mm-hmm. to end users. The second thing is that it's not, they don't want to expose a C++ interface at all. They only want to expose a C interface. And that has to do with um, uh, linking issues. And yep. again, and uh, uh, public uh, compatibility issues. That having a C++ interface, turns out it's quite a bit harder to, to, to deal with that uh, on an ongoing basis than a C or an Objective-C interface because of various, various linking issues. Um, uh, and, so, and Apple, um, apart from some very... Uh, 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 infrequent exceptions, Apple just doesn't introduce C++-based APIs at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduce a lot of C-based APIs, actually, and they do that um, uh, primarily in the hopes that people other than Objective-C developers will use them. Um, but they don't, and they, of course, introduce Objective-C APIs, but they don't introduce C++ APIs. So that, you know, and this handles all of, all of their issues as well. Now, it's funny because these decisions for... Um, for 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 uh, implementing indexing support in Xcode, and 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 how to implement it, how to expose it, um, 
were actually being made while I was there at Apple. Um, um, I knew about all of this, but I'd never really put it together. Like, you know, what I was doing then, which is a couple of years ago now, and what I wanted to do with the indexing now, I never put it together to say, hey, this might be available for mm-hmm. me to use. And that's because it, it hadn't occurred to me. It, wasn't, it still wasn't a native way to think about it for me, that even though these are sort of internal projects within Apple, the Clang team tends to make everything public. That's their mm-hmm. modus operandi. So you get these weirdo projects that are you know, public that aren't really ever documented completely in terms of, you know, here's why we did it. Here's where we're going with it. They just, you know, here, here you go. If you can use it, use it. Um, but, you know, what they won't tell you is, well, here's why they're using it. Here's what, here's what Apple needs it for. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, but, you know, I can make use of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. So, so we can make use of it, and, and I'm going to do that. Now, when I look through Mike Ash's, <laughs> can you hear that? <laughs> yeah, we, we can hear the the dog barking. But I mean, I think it's a nice little mix mashup, a uh, mix up from the uh, the meows from of yours. Normal cats. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll try to get you know like sheep and cows in there. <laughs> um, so what was I saying? Um, so I was looking through Mike Ash's uh, uh, post where he describes how to use these APIs, and uh, and that was very helpful. And also, of course, there is um, there are comments in the headers uh, of the uh, you know for, for the headers for this thing and um, and there's also and and uh, on the client website I think I'll I'll Mike Ash has a link to it and I'll I might put it in in our code as well you know where you can find sort of the web pages that were generated from those source code comments mm-hmm. as well so they're still pretty bare but but you know they're there and they're better than nothing um, so I, Mike Ash used these things and I was thinking you know even while I was, while I was looking at it. I was thinking, wow, it'd be really nice to have an Objective-C wrapper around these things uh-huh. um, because it's, yeah. it's really back to the whole core foundation uh-huh. thing. Sure. Um, you get structs, you pass around structs, which represent you know, sort of blobs. You know, you, they're opaque. You can't really see anything behind them. Uh-huh. And most of the structs are just basically, uh, uh, you know, they have one element, which is a pointer to some uh-huh. opaque structure. And you pass those around, and then when you get one, you have to call a release function on it, that sort of thing. You know, for example, there's a CX string which is a struct, not a class. And you've got a release with clang underscore dispose string. Mm-hmm. It's CF release all over again. Um, <clears throat> so when I searched on libclang Objective-C, mm-hmm. um, I actually only, pretty much only found one project, okay. only one thing which had what I was thinking that I needed. And that's a project called ClangKit. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of this? I have not. I was hoping you'd find something that was good. So I have not heard of this now. So I found something. And it's by, uh, uh, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, uh, uh, Jean-David Gadina. He's from Switzerland, so mm-hmm. it's either Jean-David or Jean David. Mm-hmm. Uh, he often goes by MacMade on various services. And it's, it's on GitHub, so okay. it's you know, GitHub slash MacMade slash Clankit. And there's another link where he's got a, a, a more full page of documentation on his website. It looks like he pretty much worked on it through uh, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the c-clang slash index.h header is pretty long, and it looks like he covered a significant chunk of it, if not all of it. So he's got a lot of classes in there, and he's got a lot of functionality in there. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, it's not what I would use long term uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, it doesn't use ARC. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually has a little a little thing on the documentation page about that. He says this project does not use ARC, and certainly and will certainly never use it. Mm. If this is an issue for you, you might consider using something else or simply learning the reference counting basics. Oh, he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys, right? So, 
you know, I've seen people who kind of stayed away from the latest and greatest Apple tech. Um, and certainly the people who stayed away from GC now seem prophetic. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, you can say, well, you know, hey, it's just not my cup of tea. I'm not going to do it. But to kind of say that, um, where it seems to be, you know, he's misinterpreting, I think, the benefits of ARC. The benefits of ARC are not that you don't need to know retained release. And in fact, I actually have a... a a concern with new developers coming up that they're not using retain release every day. They're not really getting the sense of it, uh-huh. um, but they still, they still need to know it because yeah. it's going on under the hood and the edge cases of it are going to catch them. Um, it's more that this saves you from actually having to do it on a day-to-day basis. It saves uh-huh. you time. It saves you uh, the potential for bugs. And so I don't, I, you know, I, I think, I think he's wrong about that. Um, but there's more. Um, it doesn't build currently. Um, and there's lots of details on that. It's mostly got to do with Clang. Um, he tried to get it to the point in his project where you could just you you could do everything you needed to build Clang within his project, mm-hmm. and it just got outdated and it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore. That's, that's I, don't, problem, I don't know how yeah. to fix it um, mm-hmm. offhand. There's also other code style things I'm not a big fan of. Everything is um, atomic, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of locks all the way through. And this is actually really? an interesting issue because I actually don't know. I mean, because it's not documented all that well. I don't know how um, thread safe any of this stuff is. Mm-hmm. You know, can you do? Can you parse several compilation units at the same time? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, and I, 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 I like that Chris Hansen kind of tacked on this. I forget where he mentioned. I think I think it was on Live Journal back when. But uh, the like the basic assumption that if something is not documented as thread safe, assume it's not thread safe. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And and uh, all right, and, and so we'll we'll get to that a little bit more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so in any case, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of reasons not to use it. So I decided in, in edge cases and perhaps wolf fashion to uh, write my own framework. <laughs> wow. Um, so my framework is, is much simpler. And of course, in, in also in edge cases tradition, it's not done. Um, <laughs> it's, it's called Chime, right? Clang, Chime. Oh, right? I like there it. I like it. Yes. Even though there are, there are uh, uh, tons and tons of GitHub projects called Chime. So this is not going to uh, make me stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, it it uh, I have in my notes it is available. It will be available. I mean, there's a stub there right now. Some form of it will be available by the time we uh, we ship this mm-hmm. um, and chime with an uppercase C. Um, now the idea here is it's it, it only going to do a fraction of what Clankit does. Clankit does Clankit wraps just about everything. What mm-hmm. I but what I want to do is is wrap it in a bit of a different way than Clankit does because. Um, Clankit really just takes all of the primitives from, uh, uh, from the Clang stuff mm-hmm. and wraps them exactly as they are. And we'll see more details of it as we go. I want to make it such that you have an, a symbol object oh, wow. that gives you the information about that object. And that's actually not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but there's more to it than that. All right, so we'll get, um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but... Uh, but this kind of started with me saying, well, can we do Xcode stuff? And to say I want to index um, a little tiny sample file is one thing, but to index an Xcode project is another. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, <laughs> from the stuff that I was doing right before the show started, it might not be possible. So we'll see. But here's, here's how I got. Here's what I got to and how far I got with that. So the Clang index API takes a, a file path, uh, a list of build settings, uh, yeah, and well, that's it. File path and a list of build settings. Hmm. Um, now, if you look at an Xcode compilation output, 
there's a ton of settings. There's yeah. a whole bunch of, of, of paths to various things. Um, there's macros, there's pick about headers, there's a whole bunch of things. Um, so for me to try to figure that out in some way myself would be difficult to impossible. Uh, but, you know, just taking file paths, um, Xcode has a, a bewilderingly long list of ways that you can specify where a file is. You can specify it as a group inside of another group inside of another group. You can specify it by absolute path. You mm-hmm. can specify it by source list. You can do all of these things. And, and you know, of course, Quang doesn't care about any of that. It just wants a full path to the, to the file. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the build settings are also determined in a, in a nested way. You can have the, the derived build settings that you actually use for any compilation unit depend on the target and depend on the project. They can depend on separate, um, what are they called, configuration files, mm-hmm. right? They can depend on on defaults that Xcode has that, that it never necessarily tells you about um, mm-hmm. in any way. And so trying to figure all that stuff out so that you can build your project would be a really difficult thing. Right. I actually did find a couple of open source projects which purported to look through the Xcode project file, but none of them seemed to do exactly what I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, building and indexing, you know, you're using the same client to do both of those things. So you really need pretty much set up the same way to get the same results out. Um, uh, because if you don't, um, you can't guarantee that it will work on just about every project because some projects may have uh, macros set that are that are vital to the project building correctly. And if you just say, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to worry about that, then you're not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. So what I w- finally wound up deciding to do was use Xcode Build to try to get this information. Mm. Um, and so I call Xcode Build three times in this uh, little sample project, which tries to do all this work, tries to get, see if I can make all this stuff work. Um, the first one, the first time I call it is to get the uh, uh, schemes and or configurations and targets for mm-hmm. a project slash workspace. <clears throat> so you pass in the, uh, the path to a workspace or a project and it tries to find out what it has in it. And because this is a, a GUI application, what it then does is it kind of gives you a sheet which says, well, which of these do you want to use? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you do that. And so once you have that information, you can go back and actually invoke Xcode build to build the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now, because it, you want it to build everything, you have to clean it first, so that's the second call. And the third call is the actual building. Now, I had, I had high hopes for an option in Xcode build called slash dry slash run, mm-hmm. which I would have hoped in theory would have given me the output for everything without actually, without actually having to wait for it all to build. Mm-hmm. It appears to do nothing. <laughs> so I didn't rely on that. So I do a clean and then I do a build. And then once I'm done, I have a big... Uh, you know, list of text, list of, uh, of, of lines of, of output. And the nice thing is that output includes the full invocation of, of the Clang build utility Nice to, uh, to do that. Now, it's good and bad because it, it, it shows it the way you would do it on the command line. Mm-hmm. But what you actually need in Xcode is, um, not in Xcode, in, in Clang, is an array. And so you need to separate out all those build arguments into mm. their own entries, into their own substrings. And um, so, you know, if you said, well, okay, just separate it by, by space, uh-huh. uh, you can see the, the problem with that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, because a lot of the paths that you're referring to may have spaces in them. Mm-hmm. So the way I got around that was, you know, just put a little extra logic in there to say, you know, take that list of, of things separated by space and then go through them and anything that ends with a slash, you know, combine with the next element, mm, remove okay. the slash. 
And of course, even there, you've got problems because Backsplash is a valid character in, mm-hmm. in the Finder. So you've got to say, oh, okay, if it ends in Slash, but it doesn't end in Slash Slash. Okay, <laughs> if it ends in Slash Slash, then it's just a Slash, right? Um, blah. Um, so, so I do all that. That works in simple cases. I haven't tried it in anything too complex. So it gives me all of my, my build settings. Um, but where we ended, where I ended with this, and actually I, I ran the test right before we started, um, is I got all those build settings right, and I passed them into, into our client library. And, it, um, and I actually ran it on my own, um, my own uh, project mm-hmm. that I was using for all this stuff. And it complained that it couldn't find a particular header file. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm not quite sure what that means. I mean, it, you know, I would have hoped that everything that you needed would be in those those build settings. That's the whole point of throwing all of those things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to do some more some more research to see if I can't get that working. Because um, mm-hmm. of course, if you can't get it working for Xcode projects, then there isn't really that much point to it. But for now, I will go on with what I did when I tried a simple case that wasn't in an Xcode project. Mm-hmm. Now, in order, for, in order to do that, in order to do something which is extremely simple and doesn't rely on a lot of Xcode settings, you basically can't use any system frameworks. Because the minute you want to use a system framework, you need to be able to find the system framework headers. Now, you, uh, Wolf, will probably remember back in the day when uh, linking against the system frameworks was actually much easier. Because when you installed Xcode or Project Builder or whatever, um, it would put this, the, the header files into the actual frameworks in Slash System. Mm, Do you remember yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they weren't there originally because, of course, no end user would ever need the headers in there. But once you installed the developer tools, they would install the, the headers in there. And then you would link directly against the, the frameworks that were actually there for your system. Um, and this, this actually, this is a bit of a problem because sometimes people wanted to link against previous um, system headers. Uh-huh. And they couldn't because all you had was what was there with the, the, the system that you had right then. And so those of you who might remember this will remember that Xcode gradually introduced SDKs for uh, OS X versions. Uh-huh. And they didn't necessarily, they, there were problems with them along the way. I think there were you know, teething problems with getting the system up and running. And it was never complete, never completely complete. I, I can't qualify that right now, but I think there were, there were issues that, you know, you were always looking at sort of a, a, a limited simulation of it. And of course, then with iOS, um, they had to rethink that because then, you know, you weren't, you didn't, weren't building against the same system that you were running on. You were running, uh-huh. building against something completely different. So if you look in, inside of Xcode, there are actually different places for the OS X SDKs and the iOS SDKs, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and, they're, and they're kind of a different mechanism. They're a different, different uh, setup. Because for for iOS, it's 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 a complete, it's everything you would ever need because you can't go back and look at anything that was ever in, in your actual system, so they're a little different how they work. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting, but the the upshot of it being that all of those things are buried in the Xcode.app package now, so if you wanted to link against Foundation now, you'd have to find yourself an Xcode location and 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 go there to to do what you need to do. Um, you know, because you can have any number of Xcodes uh, running around your, uh, your 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 file system, uh, and so again, that was just that just wound up being more trouble than it was worth. So for my little simple case, I used you know uh, like my class was the name of the class, and it just didn't inherit from anything. It's just its own. And you get a, a build error with that in Xcode because they want you to inherit from you know NS object or something right. else. But if you build that separately, then it works fine hmm. because you know Objective C is not 
it's not magical. You know, you can have any class be a a, a base class for something um, mm-hmm. uh, in the abstract. Anyway, uh, okay. So, and when you do it like that, when you don't involve any of the system headers, you actually don't need any any arguments at all um, because it's just building oh. uh, Objective C. Now, another um, caveat there is. Obviously, if I'm not linking against the system frameworks, I'm not. I can't use any of the system objects, classes. So I can't use, you know, NS string. I can't use NS array, anything like that. So all of the properties in my, all of the return values, all of the parameter values, have to be uh, C primitives. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, then then it works. Um, and so after you after you parse the the translation unit, and and I'm assuming most people know what a translation unit is. Um, if you don't, a translation unit is is basically the .m file. It's mm-hmm. anything which is not a header, and that's how compilers work. They don't they don't compile headers, they compile transition units. They compile .m, .c, .cpp, .c++ files, because when you when you parse a file like that, you know you start at the top of the file and you go to the end and then you stop. Um, and every header that's included is either part of some sort of pre compiled thing which is tacked on at the beginning, or part of the imports um, that go on within the file itself. But as far as parsing what you're parsing, you're always parsing that file, that, that com- translation unit file mm-hmm. to make it work. Um, so for each of those, each of those translation units, what Clang gives you back is something called a cursor into that translation unit. Oh. And you get that via uh, Clang underscore get translation unit cursor, mm-hmm. uh, logically enough. And what that cursor is, is um, it's like a C++ iterator. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how many people will know what that means. Um, it, it, which is probably similar to an NS enumerator. NS enumerator, right. right. Um, so we don't really use NS enumerators very much anymore, but if you do remember it, um, um, they were, you know, they used to be the object-oriented way that you iterated through things like NS arrays. And NS I, I, w- I would say the primarily way people might use modern programs might use a day is for when they want to reverse enumerate, it's yep. like an array. That's yep. the, yeah. Um, and it's so and, you know it's pretty annoying that that the the fast enumeration syntax by itself the four in syntax can't do that so you need to go to this other thing apparently they're slower I think than fast enumeration mm-hmm. slow enumeration um, <laughs> but it's this idea that you don't really get unless you're doing that that fairly special case that you mentioned Wolf this idea that you have this this little object which has the state of where you are in an iteration in 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 a looping through something because you know the fast enumeration syntax is you just get an object. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing iteration through an array, you can just have an index. But there's in this sense that there's an object which has the state you need. And the reason they give you this object, this opaque object, is because, again, they want you to be able to iterate through this thing without having any idea what it is, how the list is composed, you know, what, what C++ classes are being used underneath. Just nothing. They want to give you very, very little, very tight-lipped. Um, but you, know, you get this cursor. And so there's a... Another function called clang underscore visit children with block, where you take the cursor as a parameter and then you take a block as a parameter oh. as well. And then the block gets called for each entry level child of that translation unit. Um, very much like uh, what the NS, uh, excuse me, the enumerate blah 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 blah, blah on NS array, right? I don't remember uh-huh. what it is. Um, so you can see why Apple did it that way. Um, it, it gives you a chance to iterate again with, with knowing nothing about, about how, how the, the, the container works. And if, but if you look at them, I had my, my episode, uh, episode 28, The Plumber's Guide to Blocks, where I said, you know, I really had wished that blocks were object to C. Well, this is one of the reasons why they're not. Uh-huh. Um, because they didn't want 
to give you a C++ API. They didn't want to give you an Objective-C API. They want it to be used by people who are not um, Cocoa developers. Um, but they still wanted to be able to use blocks in that fashion. Uh, so let's see. So, you know, I would say that the only other functions that I've ever used with blocks are, you know, dispatch sync and dispatch async, which as far as I'm concerned, might as well just have had Objective-C APIs. For, mm -hmm. for the places that we use them. But here, here there's an actual real reason why you'd use C, you know, because they want to provide this layer that's very thin, but it is not, doesn't make any assumptions. Okay, so you iterate through top-level entries for this, for this cursor. Now, what does top-level mean? Yeah. Um, and what is, I, I, it's kind of funny, because th this question gets into the whole thing of, of how parsing works and what you get for being part of this parsing situation. What Clang gives you is a, is a, is an almost completely uncensored, untranslated, un, um, um, collated view into your source code file. Uh -huh. So by top level, they mean the things that are declared, you know, right, right at the top, right, uh, without being inside of anything else inside of your, your, your file. So that means any function declaration, global function declarations. That means any class decorations. That means any global, uh, 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 variable decorations, um, that you'll find all of those. But if you have, uh, you know, properties inside of your class decoration, if you have, uh, method decorations inside of your class decoration or method definitions inside of your class definition, those aren't iterated through as part of this. You just get the very top level. Um, and so if you want to go down, then you have to iterate the, you know, so let's say you get the cursor, uh, entry and it's just a cursor, um, uh, and actually, for, so for each place the cursor stops, for that current cursor state, you get a couple pieces of information. You get um, the name of the thing you're currently looking at. Oh. Um, so you know, if it's a class, it's you know my class. Um, and if it's a if it's a, a method name for Objective C, they actually concatenate all of the uh, segments. So you know, foo colon bar colon uh -huh. that's cool. Um, and they give you a location in the file. The file. The file itself, the path to the file, and the location within the file. You know, so, you know, it might be uh, line 10, row 0, to, you know, line 20, row 30. Okay. Um, and so, so that gives you that information. And that can be, you know, that can be very useful. But uh, just to give you a sense of, of the ramifications of that approach, let's say you find a category decoration. Well, when the cursor stops at that category decoration, it will give you the name of the category. And that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, what class does that category belong to? Hmm. Yeah, the cursor doesn't tell me that. Really? So I, yeah. I would think that it it would have been like if this is this thing, thing kind of streamy so that it just gave you that information before that it gave you basically a, an interface declaration or a class declaration? Nope. Really? Okay, okay. Now, what, what actually happens is is that... Well, and anytime you look at one of these things where you say, okay, this is the class decoration, mm -hmm. that cursor is giving you the entire... You know, I just gave you an example of, of what that would be, what that quote-unquote location would be. Well, that location actually spans from the at interface beginning of that decoration to the end of the at end mm -hmm. part as well. Okay. Um, so it represents the whole thing. If you want what's inside of it, you have to iterate through its children. Okay. And so um, it, it makes sense that then if you're in a category decoration and you iterate through its children, the first child mm -hmm. is a class reference. Oh, okay. 
And then that cross-reference is the class that you need. And it makes sort of sense, right? Because, you know, when you say, you know, uh, add interface, my class, you know, paren, foo, close paren. Um, you know, foo is the name of the whole thing, but the first element that you see in that is actually the name of the class. And so that's the first child of it. And so that's how that, that's how that works. So if, if, you know, for my chime framework, if I say, well, I want to give you back a symbol, which says, uh, you know, this is a category symbol. And then it's, you know, a, a, a link to the, the class symbol. I have to do some extra work to, to make that happen. And, you know, I'm not complaining exactly, but it is sort of interesting that it's not completely all there for you at the top. Mm-hmm. And of course, because this isn't, this is kind of documented just as well as, as comments document things. Um, there's no, you know, I had to figure this out by, by trying stuff out. I, I, you know, there was no documentation. Oh, Hey, if you want the, the class of a category. So now remember I said that Quanket was a very simple objective C wrapper around all this stuff. Well, so Quanket wouldn't have given you this information either. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I think it's, it's worthwhile to have another project that does this because mm-hmm. I can't imagine, you know, every client of Quanket saying, Oh, we're going to write all that extra code to find right. that stuff out ourselves. No, you want the, you want your, your framework to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my framework will do at least at least some of that. Um, another interesting thing was class extensions, um, because uh, I think as far as programmers are concerned, we understand that they are kind of a separate thing than just categories. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some properties that that allow them to be more than than categories. But as far as the indexer is concerned, they're just categories with the blank name. Okay. Um, and so you know you have to, if you want to treat them separately as I want to treat them separately in my, in my chime framework, I have to say, well, if, if the index, you know, if the, if the, Hey, if I'm a category and if my name is blank, then I'm actually a class extension. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing that's interesting is um, they have this concept of a USR, a universal symbol resolution string. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like uh, C++ name mangling. Yeah. Right. Um, which because, we probably should we should probably mention for those who don't know about it well, what that is. Um, it is uh, taking the name of a C class or say a C symbol, a C uh, declaration, and turning it into something unique, so that you have all of the aspects of its name, um, the, the template, the namespace, the everything else. Um, a lot of it is kind of like typing coding stuff. I forget yeah. there's like there tends to be like uppercase Z's in there a lot, and it's, right. it's kind of like uh, Objective C has something similar with the add and code uh, mechanism where you can yeah. g- give it a type and it will spit out like I for integer and stuff like that. Their mnemonics seem to be a, a pretty much straight more straightforward than what you see in this name mang- mangling C plus plus version. But I think that it you know we can't use like colons in the the name mangling because it's actually a name. It's actually a, yeah. a symbol name yeah. that's used as part of the compilation of a C++ program. Um, so that's why they kind of need to mangle it. They can't just uh-huh. use it use it as is. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. So in uh, for Clang, for example, I have my, my class called my class, and the USR for that is C colon obc, you know, all lowercase, no, no mm-hmm. dashes, uh, open paren CS, close paren, my class. So, you know, they, since they're using a USR, it's not a symbol name. They don't need to, you know, give it underscores or anything else. They can use characters that wouldn't be usable in an actual uh, symbol name. Yeah. For the Objective-C category on my class, um, for uh, it's called foo. They're at C colon obc open paren cy close paren my class at foo. 
Hmm. So they, you know, they, they uh, uh, incorporate all the, all the information you need, but it is still pretty simple. Now, in theory, for my um, category uh, class, I could have just parsed the information out of the USR, but that mm-hmm. strikes me as being the wrong way to do it. I wouldn't necessarily want to rely on that, even though I bet those are going to be pretty stable. But I, I'd, still, I'd still rather do it through the, through the, the AST tree than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, but in any case, what that means is that um, you know, if you have a class called foo and a, a category called foo and a, a method called foo and a global variable called foo, there's a whole bunch of different you know, buckets to put these things in. You can still get an, a string out of that, which gives you a unique identifier, which you could use, like I will probably use for, for Chime, to put everything in a single dictionary, where the key will be the USR. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I'm actually already doing some of that, so, and it seems to work. Um, so I had a little bit here, a little blank bit called back to project. Well, no, I'm done with the project. I, I don't know any more that I can tell you about that at the moment. Um, but there are a couple, couple other things that I can mention. Um, uh, one is the idea of how to deal with incomplete code. And I have nothing concrete to tell you at this moment, mm-hmm. um, except a few of the things that I, I learned sort of dealing with Clang in other contexts, which is, um, you know, Clang wants to be really fast. So it can't be all that fuzzy on a regular basis. They can't put a lot of extra checks in there in the normal cases that would take up a lot of extra time with every line and with every symbol or whatever. They've got to, you know, go the fast path as much as they can, which means that they can't have a lot of diagnostics in there to say, well, I'm seeing what looks like the beginning of another method when I'm still in the, I still haven't finished my last method. Right. Whereas uh-huh. you actually, for an index, you actually need to do that because you need to be able to take a, a file, which is only half done, and still spit out as much symbolic information for it as possible. Right. And it is an issue, and I don't know how Clang handles it itself. Okay. Um, uh, if I get some time, I will, I will spend a little bit of time trying to figure some of that out. Um, it, you know, it's got to do something because, you know, we're using, obviously they're using Clang for the index for Xcode now, and Xcode doesn't just, you know, fall over when you're in the middle of a file. Uh-huh. Um, it may be that they supplement it with extra stuff, uh-huh. extra, extra mean, more, more fuzzy parsers. Uh-huh. Um, but it's got to be careful with fuzzy parsers because they are, by, their, by definition, not going to be as good at parsing things as the real thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so the more effort you put into a fuzzy parser, the more you get something which has some value, but which is, is deviating from the real parser, doesn't have as much functionality, right. uh, could lead to different weird errors, that sort of thing. So uh-huh. it's an extremely difficult problem and yeah. uh, and you know the more they can they can help with it somehow in clang so that we don't have to deal with it as people who just want this information the better mm-hmm. but uh but i don't have a lot of of information about that right now um and chime you know as as i will release it you know today i hope um <laughs> you know the the best thing will be for you to just run it on on projects that already build because i i just haven't tested it on anything else uh for the moment now, what, so, so the chime you're going to get, uh, maybe, probably, is something that, um, well, if I can't get project stuff working, then I just can't get it working. I'll put a little note on there saying, you know, hey, I tried, didn't make it work. Um, but if it does get to work with projects, it will be a, a framework where, um, which will parse stuff out. Actually, the framework itself won't parse stuff out. The framework will just take your translation units and your build settings and do all that stuff with it. There will be a helper uh, project in there called Chime Project Indexer that you can run and that, you know, you'll pick a project or a 
workspace and, and it will chug along and try to do its thing and get you some information about it. That will only, it will rely on the Chime framework to do that. The Chime framework will only spit out uh, classes and categories and, and um, class extensions, um, top level things um, there. Um, and it will only do that for your project. And again, figuring out when symbols are in your project versus not in your project are actually, is actually not the most straightforward thing. Um, because, you know, ideally you'd say, well, it would only be in files that are in your project, but what about headers? Um, and what about headers that are not in your, your directory that are somewhere else, but are still part of your project? Um, so that actually might be a little difficult to, to figure out. Um, it might be easier to say, well, anything where the location of the symbol is in a known framework location, that we won't do that. But but again, there's exceptions that will probably happen. But in any case, it will try to do things just from the project. Um and uh, that'll be the first version of it. The second version will probably have methods in there as well, methods and, and properties, you know, the second level of, of things. Um, but what's interesting is Clang can also parse the, interior, the, the innards of, of methods and, and functions. And that gives you a, a, a huge amount more information, right? Because it's a lot more nodes in your AST to, to handle, to show you all that. Absolutely. Stuff. And so um, you can actually turn that off. There's a flag in Clang to turn off parsing the method bodies and function bodies. And that's what I'll do for this because I'm not going to go that far mm -hmm. um, into it. Um, but in terms of, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what people think about this because, uh, you know, thinking about the design of this Chime framework, uh, I wouldn't be able to make something that is so general purpose that anybody could use it for any reason. Because mm -hmm. if you have a giant project, um, if you're making, you know, regular old Objective-C classes, uh, objects for each of these uh, symbols in your project, that could be a huge amount of, of memory, a huge amount of effort to do, and, you know, that you wouldn't want to get it. So maybe you want a, a Chime framework, which is more heavily optimized to, to build that information in a way that will take up a lot of memory, it'll take up a lot of, of, of time and space. Um, or you might want something that, um, that works more heavily in the background while your app does its thing, um, which, as we said, I'm not even sure we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as you might want to. So you might want to have something which, which takes a lot of effort to make sure it all happens on one background thread, right, or one background task. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to bother with, that, with, with Chime for now um, because, again, it would be a lot of effort, and I don't, I don't need it, and I don't, know, I don't know who else might need that right now. So I actually think of Chime as being more of a template effort. It will give you a lot of ideas as to how to wrap this stuff, mm -hmm. um, but it won't necessarily be the solution to your problem. It is just oh, here's a starter kit that you can use to build your solution out of it. That's probably the best way. Because, you know, while it's not done now, and I am going to put more effort into it, I will never probably put enough effort into it to make it be a completely robust solution for, for everybody. Um, so, you know, but, but have, a, you know, have a look, see what you think, um, see what's interesting about it, uh -huh. and uh, let me know. I'm, I'm interested in feedback. Uh, Wolf? Yeah, so a few things. Um, number one, I'm... I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, that you were talked about the, the challenges and even with the uh, with getting out the project information out of it and the the build settings and um, even if it's in incomplete form and especially if you think it might not be feasible at all because I feel like I think I think we've kind of talked about I don't know if we talked about this issue directly but you know, the thing with like 
WWC presentations and a lot of other presentations is that they always prevent, present the kind of this very polished view of things. And so much of the of programming, especially the interesting stuff, is like these fits and starts, uh, you know, trying these different blind alleys. And it's very easy to, you know, not publish the results that end up not working out. And, you know, to a lesser extent, well, maybe, maybe even to a greater extent, uh, science also has this issue where you, you try you try this unique thing and it didn't work out and you don't publish the fact that it didn't work out. And so I really I really like the when people talk about things that don't work out. I think it's really, really handy. Yeah, you really like hearing from losers. <laughs> Pretty much. It's yeah. Yeah, the user, losers help uh, give us more information about what doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's kind of human weakness that we end up not wanting to publish information. Um, in terms of uh, C++ linking, um, you said it was problematic, and I, I believe that it was, I know that Apple broke the C++ ABI, Application Binary Interface, at least twice, yeah. but, but I believe that it's been pretty much stable since I want to say 10.2, maybe 10.3, so I don't think it's too much of an issue now in terms of on Mac OS X. Uh, linking C++ code. So no, it's, it's the fact that you can't change things easily and have okay. you be able to link against the old one or the new one. Oh, okay. Something, okay. something to do with that. I know because we had some C++ APIs internally at Xcode and it was always a real pain to remove anything from it. In fact, I'm, I'm, we might never have been able to do it. And some of that might have been because of the, the build system that was being used internally at Apple. They mm-hmm. tended to not be able to guarantee you would use the old or the new version of something at any one point in mm. the procedure, which, which makes it really difficult to make stuff uh, happen correctly. So it might have been more to do with that. But I, I also think that it's the same sort of an idea that, that right now you can link against, you know, 10.7 versus 10.8 and not have that many problems with it, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas linking against substantially different versions of a C++ framework, I think from what I remember, could give you a lot of issues, a lot of headaches. Okay. So that's really more what the issue was. Okay. I know that. I think actually the l- most recent API breakage on a C++ framework that Apple did was with IOKit. And uh, yeah. that was, mm-hmm. I think, in uh, 10.7 or something like that, where they broke the ABI on it. And so you had, you had to recompile. That led through all sorts of issues. But, and IOKit mm-hmm. is an uh, embedded C++ API. That's right. That's right. It's, one of the, it's, it's, it's a big one, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, um, you were mentioning the difficulties about, uh, about Clang not being able to really be a fuzzy parser and having to be accurate and fast. Um, I know that... Uh, obviously, there were, was an era of Xcode before Clang, and Xcode has its own parser because it had the handy dandy little pop up menu and all the source me- in the source yep. uh, windows in order to quickly skip to the method you want to go edit or at least look at. And so Xcode obviously has always had that parser, and it is very fast. As you know, obviously work as you type, and obviously it's not doing things where it's probably not examining method bodies and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if. If I don't know the internal details, and but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they use Clang, and once they get these weird errors, that Clang backs off, and maybe there's chunks of that fuzzy parser that that was for the pop-up menu uh, still lives on, and that's invoked, and maybe just to kind of pick up where Clang left off. I'm sure there's a give and take there, whereas Clang gets more advanced, or or what, or the strengths and weaknesses it has in any given version. Maybe that parser kind of makes up or has to back off itself. And I mean, it sounds like a, a horrible engineering challenge, but I wouldn't be surprised if that parser isn't living on. Sure. 
and that would not be in uh, the Clang indexer. So that would that yeah. would that would be sad. That if yeah, if you want to do something where you know, as you're typing, you're presenting a nice pop-up menu that's always accurate type stuff. That that probably is beyond the reach of Clang. Well, it's interesting because there is you know I didn't go through everything that was in this indexing API or the Clang APIs that that have been exposed. There is a code completion API. Oh wow! Okay, from the Clang library. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that does it for me. It's been very informative. I've been looking, wanting to look into this myself. I actually did not read Mike Ash's article. I just saw it go by. And it's just on my to read list. And so you did a good job of walking through this. And I'm very mm-hmm. happy that you, I'm very excited about your little chime project. Cool. Yeah. All righty. So we'll see you next time. <laughs>